how do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to the Scale Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have Jeff Coyle. Jeff is the co-founder and chief strategy officer. I used to be chief product officer, mm-hmm. right? Market views. <laughs> right. Um, and basically, he's a data-driven search engine marketing executive with 20-plus years experience, uh, has a lot of experience doing inbound consulting and lead generation. Also, he was a top 50 innovation award winner for artificial intelligence and machine learning in 21 for the World Innovation Awards, which is really cool. I've never heard of that before. <laughs> so congrats on that, man. Welcome. Happy to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Yeah, my background's in computer science, um, but and I love product management, but I've like woven that together with everything marketing and sales with Market Muse. So it's it's a fun and that was a good intro. I like I like that. Thanks, Ryan. It's good to be here. Thanks, man. I forgot that you also own a brewery, which like <laughs> that's that's like mad props for uh, just adding that as the cherry on top. Like, yeah, co-founding a company wasn't enough, so you just started a brewery. Layer well. on another <laughs> one. Yeah, it was always the. I mean, we were, I had planned on doing it ten years in the future or fifteen years in the future, but then some laws in Georgia changed, um, and my brother and we looked at each other and we're like, "Whoa, someone's gonna beat us to this punch." We had kind of the whole plan built and. Uh, we found two partners um, who are amazing operators uh, and really business savvy and real estate savvy, and we we got it going and making it happen. One of the fastest growing uh, breweries in Georgia. And you can plug it. Tell us what oh, it is. So, man. Yeah, so, 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 Silver Bluff. Go check it out. Um, it's it's my it's only a small percentage of my actual time, but it is a it's an awesome business. And yeah, if you're in anywhere from St. Mary's to Savannah in Georgia, you can find us. Um, so go check it out. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. All right, let's do a quick revenue rundown. Yeah, so, sure. um, what's where are you guys at in terms of your AR range? Um, well, we're yeah, we're a private company, but we're in the between the five and ten million um, bracket, um, and okay. yeah, and so we are. Um, you know, we were founded in you know as kind of a science experimenty in 2013, 14. Really started taking it to market late 2014. Uh, sorry, uh, late 2015. Um, and then uh, going from there, um, we've been real smart with our growth and not trying to do too many crazy, risky things. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's uh, smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about the what's your go to market strategy? Like, is it marketing led, sales led, product led, combination of multiple? Yeah. How do you kind of approach it? It's a hybrid um, and it's something that is in a interesting motion right now. So this being April of 2022, um, but we are, um, we have extremely strong inbound marketers, um, you know, not myself, but also the team of marketers that work on that. Um, So we have a huge, we have a huge inbound flow. Um, Prior to um, 2019, early 2020, we were sales led growth um, completely. Um, we introduced product-led growth offerings to develop a hybrid around that time. Um, and then we've uh, pushed on various campaigns and strategy to try to hone that. Uh, honing that through COVID was not the easiest thing in the world to do. Um, honing that, you know, these days where there's a lot of complexity, not the easiest thing. Right now, we are in a, um, in a state where we have a free offering 
Um, and then we have sales-led growth offerings. Um, and our self-service offerings will be reintroduced in the next few months. Um, they're in the state of we have a year and a half worth of data. And we're using that to refine and re-release that mass, the product for the masses. Um, right now, we are still a product for teams and businesses who are at a particular level of both sophistication and production for content. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. yeah we, we definitely got to dig into that because it's, mm -hmm. there's a lot of, uh, a lot of questions. That hybrid's hard. Hybrid's yeah. hard. Hybrid's harder. <laughs> hybrid's harder than SLG. Um, and for a lot of reasons, cause it's a, um, yeah. And I'd love to get into all of the, all of the work we've done on that. Cause I think it's totally relevant <laughs> to this show. So. Yeah, we will. We will definitely. How large is your team? Um, we're about 40 if you count all in uh, pieces and parts. Um, and that has ebbed and flowed over the over the years. Um, we are very efficient, uh, both with money and people. Um, and it's it's really important when you're up against product led only uh, who typically will have smaller teams um, and then sales led teams, which are wildly large, um, which in our space, we have both. Um, so we are, and that's really why we've chosen to like, to tune and, and, and float, uh, the way that we have is to say, you know, we can, we can still be innovative, um, and focus on R and D, make sure we pick our winners quick, make quick decisions while keeping a, a smaller, uh, lighter weight team. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it sounds like you're very capital efficient. What can you give like a two sentence, two, three sentence description of your solution? Sure. It's a content intelligence platform that sets the standard for content quality. Um, so the way I describe kind of from a customer success perspective, the appropriate experience for a person or team using Market Muse is that every content decision you make is going to be made with Market Muse data. Every content item you create is going to be informed by Market Muse data, and every content item you update will be informed by Market Muse data. So it's effectively giving me both insights and then action in the form of operations for content, uh, with the goal mm -hmm. of being able to both predict return on investment, how much content is needed to be created, predict that return on investment, and have expectations, and then actually execute more efficiently. So we break all we break the triangle. You know, they always say it's um, cost, quality, and, and and amount. We make costs lower, more volume, and then each you, each item performs better. Uh, it's just getting that message across that that's possible is the challenge. I love the fact that you just said you broke the triangle and I'm going to have to use that mm -hmm. or uh, I'm going to have to recycle that and use that with some of my messaging. Cause mm -hmm. I love that. I think that's, that's very creative the way you describe that. <laughs> and then are you bootstrapped or funded? Uh, we're venture backed. Um, so we have an awesome, so the first phase of market Muse was what I would reference as rolling angels. Um, so we would find an angel, set a cap, they'd invest and then we'd, progress. And then we'd set another cap, find some more angels. And, and then we finally got to the point where we felt like it was worthy of a venture capital round. We raised a seed series. Um, we mm -hmm. then raised a, we had some venture debt um, and some revenue-based financing in the inter, in the, as bridges. Um, and then we raised a, what, I, what is probably uh, traditionally referenced as a seed extension round. Um, uh, but or a very small a, um, uh, but right now we are a 
on paper an A, but it's much more like a, a the probably one like the smallest A, largest seed. So our total capital raised is, um, if you include debt to date, is like between seven and and nine. I think if you if you were to put it all together, um, or seven and ten, or six and ten, you know, because we're private, <laughs> I don't have to actually say the real number. Um, but that's you know that's roughly it. So mm-hmm. yeah. We'll call it a lowercase a. We'll just say you got a lower. Yeah, lowercase lower a is basically where we're at. And yeah. so, what would you describe are the core components of, of marketing? So, when you're thinking about even in search engine optimization or content marketing, um, the ones that I'm really focused on would be: Do you get how these things work and at what level? So, you have search engine optimization from a technical perspective, so technical SEO. Mm-hmm. You have SEO from the standpoint of on-page factors. So content uh, from the standpoint there, then you also have um, uh, off page factors that are not technical. So that's like business development, link development, authority development. Um, and then you have the kind of subgenres that get into news, et cetera. But then the next phase, which I think makes you more robust as a search engine optimization professional is getting some of the adjacent content related. So content strategy editorial, how editorial content operations, how those work. Then you get into paid. So paid PPC, so buying clicks, um, but also things like paid social and Mm -hmm. how community management plays into this. Um, And then conversion rate optimization. So usability plays into this too. So it's kind of that total package of how people go to a website, how -hmm. they get there, and then what they do when they're there all really matters for search. So when someone is like, I'm really good at technical, I'm like, but do you know all of the other things that what the output will be? Or are you truly just a T, which can be valuable. But I would say for longevity, having skills across um, all of those things and really diving deep and trying to be super strong um, has done, it certainly has done me well and it's done like team members that I work with that had the same vision for themselves. Um, it's really, that's the way, in my opinion, in these days, you get to CMO. Um, that's the way you get to VP or better at, you know, $20 million plus revenue SaaS works um, is to truly be able to talk the talk of marketing automation, talk the talk of lead gen, lead management, conversion rate optimization, SEO paid, um, and, you know, you could throw the bonus in there is can you talk to developers uh, and product people if you have that product management? Um, when you have those kinds of skills or look to develop those types of skills, um, you can walk into a place and it not immediately be siloed. Um, so many SEO teams are siloed um, because they just don't have the understanding or desire for empathy for how hard some of these jobs are. They don't have that expertise. So it ends up being like, my KPIs, entrance traffic, don't care about the other channels when really it all works together. Like, and and that's when I, you know, why I advocate for being that total package because you then can be that silo breaker. That's a good point. So, and that, that just shows the complexity of something that most people often lump into, you know, three letters SEO, right? Right. So when when you say that also, like, let's talk about a founder, an early stage company, not at the 20 million range, but someone who's earlier stage, maybe 5 million, they're 
they're doing well. They don't have a large marketing department. Like mm-hmm. knowing what you know about all these details, how would you attack it? What channel would you approach for marketing being like a founder that's earlier on or, or kind of at that 10 million mark? Yeah, you have to figure out what the people you have on staff um, who have already kind of signed up to be on the bus, what they're the best at. Um, and if any of those things that they're very good at um, are channel develop, cha- will correlate to a channel being successful. Um, that's going to be part of what, you know, the, the infrastructure of what's going to make you successful. Um, that's a very different answer than a lot of people are like, content or SEO or, you know, outbound or, you know, something like that. I can't answer that question. It's going to depend heavily on the competitive landscape, your stage of market. So your product market, not just not necessarily product market fit, but product market maturity. Um, And then and I can get into what how you can gauge that for yourself and then making the decisions uh, to set expectations really well. Um, How much hustle do you have? What kind of sales skills are already on board? Will you need to hire for those? Um, what kind of you know development um, mo- mobility do you have? So speed, um, and you know, then you can get into more um, you know which channels. But if I was just saying like theoretically, everyone, um, you should absolutely be planning for the wonderful long-term compounding value of content-led SEO um, or content-driven search because it develops and allows you to exhibit your expertise. It also allows you to then pivot your company uh, when you need to because you have infrastructure that tells the story that you're the thought leader, you're the expert, you understand the business problem, you understand the prospects from early stage awareness to even unknown need all the way down to, you know, whatever you're, whether you're in IBM and your care consider choose or you're in CM and your awareness consideration purchase. But then you can also build content that is post-purchase. So troubleshooting, you can be the community, you can be the support, you can be the post-purchase champion development vehicle. I love champion referrals. They're a great source of revenue for every business, someone who loves your product, Mm -hmm. Uh, If given the opportunity to, they're the leads that they generate for you are end up being, you know, glorious things, but your your content can do that. So um, content driven search is going to be something that's going to be yield the long term, but it's very daunting and it has only payback. It doesn't have immediate payback. Um, So it's something that you need to plan for and invest in and then set expectations properly. Um, the other components would be um, manual channel development um, and uh, community development, um, creating, uh, you know, for lack of a better term right now, like creating the buzz by giving um, and by being willing to give and give value um, um, and to then understand where your market's going to lay, what prospects, what are your ideal profiles going to be. Um, the faster you can get to um, understanding what your kind of uh, your natural flow of inbound is going to be, um, you can then invest wisely. Um, so, like you'll you'll hit 
kind of uh, plateaus of inbound based on the channels you have. Um, and then you're like, okay, well, if I lean into this, I can go from here to there. Um, is that worth it? You can start making reasonable judgment, but going from zero to something on these, it's a competitive analysis math problem. It's a competitive cohort problem. Um, and then it's a channel estimate challenge. Um, and where a lot of people go wrong is they say everyone's the same. Outbound is a math problem. We should just do outbound. Um, and that is a immediate gratification, um, no insurance policy style. Um, and I like insurance policies uh, where well, I can say, let's cultivate multiple channels so then we can pick the best ones. Yeah. It, and I agree. I think like it, it's the market, like everybody's yelling from their soapbox, like SEO is the best, like, like mm -hmm. paid ads are the best, like outbound <laughs> the best, right? Everybody's got their own thing. But then like, I, I think you hit it on the head where it depends on the stage of your journey, like the revenue stage on where you're at and then your, mm -hmm. your product maturity and then the skill set of your staff too, because they're totally different skill yep. sets. Like if you have someone who's awesome at sales, it's hard to turn them into like, an amazing digital marketer and be right. awesome at copywriting, even if they're great at, at the language component, right? right. And so, um, and it's funny, the opposite side of it, I've seen like really amazing marketers that have a hard time with sales, you know? Oh yeah, and yeah. So, much more so. <laughs> <laughs> but it's more like, yeah. and I was gonna write a post, like why does sales suck at marketing? Why does marketing suck at sales? Even though they're like so, you know, closely related, but um, anyways, that's topic for another day. So let's get into, <laughs> Cause I know where we've, we, 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 we don't have a lot of time left, but I want to get right. into kind of what we started off with where right. you said you started with an outbound or not an outbound, I should say a sales led growth. And then you also added a product led growth. Can you just walk us through what you did there and then what led to the greatest jumps in revenue when you, when you did that? Right. So we you know it, what we did was we had a number of, uh, thing. So what, the, the why there was we were sales like growth, but we the, the, the market was was just changing in front of us. Um, and we had so much demand from people who weren't of the profile who could purchase the premium product. Mm. And so we said we have to harness this for so many reasons. Um, and so we first wave, we put out a lower end product. Um, only. Um, and then we were, then, you know, that was okay. All right. We had a, a large campaign with a um, affiliate uh, network that got us another big spike of interest. Um, and then we, uh, during, uh, and then, so before that though, we had um, during COVID, um, we gave our entry level product away for three months to anyone who wanted it. Um, and we just said, Hey, you know, this, if this helps you go for it. Um, so that was a really big spike. I think we did, you know, over 20,000 people took advantage of that promotion. Um, and we converted a, a healthy amount. We then, um, did that campaign where, you know, thousands of people took advantage of that one campaign, um, really started to focus on the community building on that front. And then we have from that, we took a lot of those learnings and did, and we launched a free offering um, and opened up the floodgates to see how strong we were at what we reference as opportunity identification and product qualifying, right? 
Um, and we took our meetings on that. We, we, we didn't have great product-led onboarding, which is critical, by the way. Mm-hmm. That's, if, I, if, if, you, if someone tells me, what would you change? I wouldn't have put anything out the door, freemium or self-serve, without beautiful onboarding, tested, qualified onboarding. Um, and that is critical. Um, without, you know, we had the great data on usage, but we didn't have that onboarding flow. So we're, that's one of the things we're retooling right now. Um, also, uh, really, really understanding the people coming in the front door. Uh, is it the scenario where the people coming in the front door are the buyers or are they the users? So in a sales-led growth scenario, quite frequently, the uh the attracted, attracted B or attracted fly, as they as they say, yuck! I don't like that one. The attracted B is the user B. They're not the buyer B, right? Um, and so, if you are not tuned to that, your sales team will fail because mm-hmm. they'll say, "Ooh, I got a lead from BBC. They're a journalist, right? That journalist can't buy Market Muse Premium for BBC." which would cost $200,000, right? right? You've got to go from journalist who goes on this free offering and has a wonderful experience. It's like, oh my gosh, I need this. It tells me what to write. It tells me the news, the way I can cover this for news to have the unfair advantage, which it, which Market Muse does. We have a newsroom offering specifically for news teams. So, and But if the salesperson tries to sell Market Muse Premium to that journalist, whew, that B flies away because they say, how much is this thing? Oh, well, BBC, you've got a really big site. It's going to be, we're going to be monitoring three to five million topics. Um, that's going to cost a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, uh, which is roughly, you know, a hundred K plus would be a, a fair entry point for them. And that journalist goes, see ya. I don't <laughs> want to fight that battle uphill. Right. So we are still in that journey. That's the hard part. That's the hard part of a hybrid Right. Um, and that's the hard part of inbound for SL, for sales led. It's that you're selling to a buying team. If you don't get that, if you don't know how to sell to a buying team, if you don't know how to, know how to make your value proposition sexy for the journalist, you'll never get to the content marketing lead. You'll never get to the editor in chief, the GM, or the CMO who then has the ability to assemble the right buying team. Um, and that's where PLG companies get it wrong. They only focus on the end user. Then they get this critical mass of end users. They don't know how to go to the buying team. They mm-hmm. don't know how to become a hybrid. They don't know how to do OI because they're PQL. Oh, God, I got to stop. I am a jargon person. I know. They don't know how to do opportunity identification because their product qualifying lead metrics are not tuned. That fork isn't tuned. Slack, mm-hmm. great product qualifying metric. The one I always use as my example. I don't know the exact number, but it's team has sent X thousand messages and there are, you know, in X time. What a beautiful, wouldn't you love to have that simple of a PQL? <laughs> um, and, and so you, you got to have onboarding and you got to have the PQL, at least a hypothesis to then be able to be good at hybrid um, and then to have a sales led growth motion. You need resources for land and expand if the product utility lever isn't crystal, all right? And so that's where 
I'm tuning all those forks, right? I'm sharpening all those knives at once right now because my land and expand motion, customer success, it's not super crystal. My PQL isn't crystal. Um, and so if I had to start from scratch and I was doing this, I would say, let's at least take a shot. Let's have great data, whether we're using Pendo or equivalents. Um, let's take a shot at what the PQL could be and make sure we refine the crap out of that all the time. Um, so that this big wave of people that come in use the platform, we understand the motion. We understand the the progression of the products. So basically what I heard you say is just like understanding how to make that jump from the end user right. to the buying team and then crystallize right. that land and expand for mm -hmm. larger deal sizes, right? So right. Um, I think that was an awesome like breakdown on the challenges. And um, it was awesome having you on, man. Like, really, really it good. It really stuff. is. Yeah. I love it. I love it, Ryan. And thanks for meeting me with me. I'm, I'm really uh, pumped that we got connected. And I look forward to connecting in the future. Yeah, man. Thanks for being on the show. I am too. And uh, thanks for being on. It was a lot of fun. Right. Cheers. Thank you for checking out The Scale Up Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.